Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. This is the second part of my chat with Sarah Phelps, the wonderful screenwriter about series three, episode one of Howard's Way. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and find it and listen first. Otherwise, this will be very confusing. Meanwhile, please enjoy the next half of my chat with Sarah. Then I became really obsessed with Polly and Gerald's house and the baronial panelling. It's it's hella oaky, isn't it? Like it's just it's, wall to wall there's wood. A, there's a lot of veneer. There's a lot of stuff going on. Much it's like very, their marriage, Sarah Phelps. Much like their marriage. Yeah, much much like there is. <laughs> they bought it in B and Q and <laughs> stuck it on over terrible leprous weeping sores. <laughs> if you got that off, the plaster underneath would be shocking. I think you're but right. as it is, yeah. it's sort of, I am the squire, welcome to my mansion. Yep. We, we will now dine on a haunch of venison. <laughs> and obviously Gerald notices that Polly's wearing a new dress because he's a homosexual. And they noticed stuff like that. Well, he's probably looking, he's probably looking at that because she's standing there in a very particular way with yep. this dress on. Yep. And it's very much, look at me, I'm wearing this dress. And I think Gerald has probably kind of learnt the shorthand of how to deal with Polly's extremities of mood, which yeah. is, oh, that's a new dress. But then that's where it ends. Polly, can it be said, is also wearing a devastating giant bow in her in her auburn It's the locks. same size as her head again, isn't it? It's it like is the same head. size as her head. <laughs> and actually, I've, I really enjoyed this scene. I thought this was a really good scene. Yeah. Because it was basically, it was a sort of, you can't have a row with somebody who doesn't give you a row like Gerald. Exactly. She, he won't engage. He, he won't engage. And there's something that just sort of like absorbs all her fury so she has to take it out on inanimate objects <laughs> like the piano which is when she slams her hand down on those keys I no. really enjoyed it <laughs> but now basically what's happened is Charles Frere has seduced her husband yeah basically it's, it's he sedu- spends all his time with him now he spends all his time with him she wants to go out and he's not, uh, he, he can't because he's got to do this report for Charles Frere and Abby's gone away, who is Charles's daughter. Mm. And everything is these sort of distant, pungent memories of some sweaty kind of liaison with Charles Frere. <laughs> and you, I, I feel for Polly. And what I really loved was when, 
when sort of Gerald said to her, well, why didn't you get yourself a little charity job? And you know that if this wasn't, you know, that what Polly, the whole thing was, oh, fuck charity. <laughs> of course, want, fuck charity. And she's like, I want my own life. And, and I, well, you can have, you know, you've basically been out buying all of Claude's clothes <laughs> and going out for drinks. And I think, what you know, Polly's lonely. Oh, she's bored as fuck. She's lonely. And she's like a she's child having lonely, her toys lonely. And she is. She, she is a little girl who basically... If she came to your birthday party and was wearing the same dress as you, you would have to go upstairs and change. 100%. 100%. And otherwise, you know, she she is somebody who can walk into a room and sour the mood with a look. <laughs> curdle milk with that face. She could curdle. I'm, I'm going to come out here and just say, Polly, vinegar tits. <laughs> she is vinegar tits. Let's just call her that from now on. <laughs> she, vinegar tits in her baronial mansion wearing her monstrous sort of sequin dress and this sort of giant kind of hangman's noose of a bow in her hair. And I, there was another thing. What? Nothing. But it's everything. Oh, yeah. It's always everything. And what I, the other thing I loved was there's always a thing when someone's written a scene, they go, oh, that's a really, really good line. That's, I'm really pleased with that line. And it's like, Polly had this line where she was just, obviously it's a kind of like, you watch yourself, mister, because maybe one day you'll come back and what? Nothing. Let's just <laughs> say it's a warning. You know, that this is running round after Charles Freer might be a price you're happy to pay, but I'm getting a little tired of paying it as well. And you can Ooh. just feel the way she delivered it. You know, the writer was very, very proud of that line. <laughs> very, very proud. Proud it's nice because in there is just layers of who is indebted to who, who owes what to who, and I think Polly thinks that Charles Freer owes her a life. Yeah, actually. I absolutely agree because she's essentially taken on a marriage of convenience to cover for Gerald, but she can enjoy the financial benefits. But now she just doesn't want the financial benefits. She also wants a playmate, someone to play with her because she's bored. Yeah. Like you said, Jan's busy. Everyone's busy being businessy in the 80s. And she's like, and then where does that leave me? I've got nothing to do. But do you, th- or do you think she wants love? Do you think she actually, you know, I think she wants someone to love her and yeah. to kind of give her all that romance that probably once upon a time when she was young and beautiful, she would have crushed under her heel and been really kind of hard nosed about it. But yeah. I think that now it's not just bored. It's like, you know, yonder all before. Yeah, yonder all before us lie deserts of vast eternity, but except for me and my sequin dress. And I just keep thinking that actually what Polly and Gerald haven't cottoned onto is the fact that they are getting, they are being sucked into the collapsing star of Charles Frere's toxic relationship with his father. Whoa, this is that was It is. This is Greek tragedy yeah, in Tarrant. It is. There's a force, there's a, like a, yes, a force pulling them all towards the money goal. The money god, but also the just very, very dark and it's going to suck them all in. And weirdly, when I look at them, Polly and Gerald, I think, but you want this to happen to you because otherwise it's a kind of borrowed drama and meaning and significance to Mm -hmm. your lives. Because otherwise, what would you be doing? You'd just be staring at each other. This gives you the abrasion that you need for your relationship at home. Yeah, like you said, the drama. If she'll take, if she can't have love, she'll take the drama every time. Oh, every time. And so, anyway, and then we have another double take, which is Avril is waiting to have 
either lunch, either supper. I've lost track of time. I I've don't think it matters. Meals. It's just that everyone has meals, like constant meals constant and meals. meals throughout the day. <laughs> or not so much meals, but always sort of postprandial cups of coffee served yes. in matching china. Yeah. Anyway, Avril's sitting there in this tiny kind of an little... Italian uh, restaurant, I think. Yeah, yeah, in a tiny little yeah. sort of pizzeria, which is the size of a kitchen. And Tom enters and looks around, <laughs> checks his watch, looks around and finds across a space of eight inches sees Avril and goes over it's just double take heaven double take heaven I'm so happy so they're kind of settling in for a dinner but we come back to them later I think over the aforementioned cups of coffee they haven't yeah we 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 skip the meal and just go straight to coffee yeah we skip the meal nobody nobody needs to serve up anything we we, it's it's too much continuity just easier so Avril and Tom they're not having an affair anymore their affair has waned and so gently faded there's a lot of stuff going on but it's yachts you know there's lots of Um, prefiguring of yeah what's coming next so and now we go to pool party oh oh oh, i don't think i've ever been so happy in my entire life as when leo went to the pool party (laughs) sleeves rolled up to his elbows worst party ever it just looks dreadful so it's inside it's always in someone rich's back garden there's always a barbecue some sort oh, of the pop music. Barbecue name. of charred, burned <laughs> lumps of flesh. <laughs> really? People, people dancing. And some, despite the fact it's a pool party, the guy that Leo talks to and is quite shirty with. Oh, this is, is Adam the Fastnet Prick. He was one of the crew oh, of the Fastnet Yes, he's Fastnet Prick. Beat. He, he yeah. absolutely looks like Fastnet Prick. Yeah. But he was, and he's wearing a kind of business suit at a pool party, <laughs> which is weird because behind the charred, bar, the charred flesh of the barbecue are people wearing the sort of stuff you'd wear to a rave in the 90s, yes. which is incredible. And anyway, Leo doesn't want to be there. You can tell he's got that Casper David Friedrich quality to him. You know, the, the kind of guy who stands on the mountain and sort of like looks down on humanity with oh, all yeah. contempt and scores. If only they could look up and marvel at how amazing I am and nobody <laughs> sees him. But that's so that's what he's all about. And the party's and, very much going on around him. But he's sort of you, you do cut to him later. and He's talking animatedly to clearly someone. Oh, he oh, likes, oh but... I cannot wait. Yeah, look, I want to talk about something, which is Kate and Jack, they're going to have uh, either lunch or supper, who can say, does it matter? They're going to have one of the essential meals at the Yacht Club. <laughs> and we one know it's the Yacht Club. If you, if you weren't sure it was the Yacht Club, and you can tell by the horrible pink chairs, that's the signature look of the Yacht Club. It's, um, it's, just, a ro- it's just a sort of rolling banquet, isn't it? Past, it's a, a pastel ro- banquet for the eyes. But, before, <laughs> but you know it's the Yacht Club because they have a little tannoy announcement. Telephone call for Captain Gibson. <laughs> Which I just oh, thought was God. lovely. His <laughs> captain's come here because it's a yacht club. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously. A telephone call for Captain Gibson. I want to cry with how sweet it is. But look, here's Kate and Jack. And the thing is, is that Kate can afford to buy Jack lunch because oh. she had a final flutter. She's a gambling what, addict, Sarah. It's I not know. okay. I know, but the thing is, but what I wanted to see was not Kate telling Jack about that. I wanted to see Kate doing it. Yeah. Imagine if you've been able to see beautiful Dulcie Gray go into some really tatty backstreet bookmakers. Yeah. And to basically be standing there in her pearls and her beautiful kind of complexion and her perfectly set hair and her Mm. beautiful manners amongst all these kind of like roll ups stuck to their lips. And imagine if you've been able to find (laughs) some way that Jack had followed her and gone, oh, no, no. And then had met her in there and she'd just gone, it's just my final one. And she'd won absolute oh. fortunes. And all the other gamblers were kind of applauding her and she just had tears in her eyes and 
she and and she said that's the last one. That's and the last one. And carrying her on their shoulders. Oh, yeah. All but just basically Jack giving her his arm, and he said, "My life has changed completely. It's the last one. Aww. Take me to lunch." And now, then he just thought that would have been lovely. Now I want you to go back in time and write that episode for them. I'm so I, annoyed. I, I'm so annoyed because it would have been. I mean, that's what the, her addiction was all about. Which was, it's all lovely when it's at a really really posh race course, but the reality of it is, as Jack found through his alcoholism, is that. <laughs> when you're in a lot of trouble you're down among the bare bones absolutely and the and the dust and the ashes and i kind of thought it would have been lovely to see her as she had to give up her own house and become less independent and move in with their daughter just one final phoenix flowering yeah so you could understand the attraction to the gambling but also the strength of character that she was taking to walk away from it with her companion in learning oh. how to live without an addiction. I, I don't know. Beautiful. I just thought it was a really wasted opportunity. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I got cross. Well, let's try and cheer you up again, because now we get to see Jan with the bank manager, who she doesn't give a glass of wine to, despite... She doesn't give him a glass of wine. She's just got it just out of shot. Because Jan, have. when he's gone, she's going to neck the lot. She's going to have all of that wine, so that when Leo comes home, he's going to find her with a giant red wine clown smile and a purple tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Lying sort on the of, kitchen floor giggling. Lying yeah. on the kitchen floor giggling and singing sort of the human league to herself. That's <laughs> what, but, but she's, Jan's had it with retail outlets. She has had she it. She really wants has. a line of boutiques. She's going large and That's she ain't about. And she wants 150k and she wants it now. And he doesn't say no. He's going to go and think about it. I think he fancies her. Well, I, I think, I she, think knows she should that. use that to her full advantage. She's Jan freaking Howard. She can do. She's Jan freaking Howard. She's got mm. amazing cheekbones. She's a real lady, but also you know that she is absolute filth and she will, <laughs> you know, she will send you home bandy-legged. That's Whoa. the point about Jan Harvey. <laughs> Jan no Howard, wonder. I beg your pardon. Not no, Jan what? Harvey, the actress well, who is a lady. We, we must not slander her, although, you know, I'm sure she'd be laughing at this. Um, I now, would never slander her. She's let, too amazing. She's, she's the queen of the But then what's great woman. about this is that the bank manager knows all about her arrangements. Is Ken Masters going to right. be happy to give up his minority share? And she gives that glassy smile which says, <laughs> no, he isn't. He's going to fight me really hard and I'm going to have to break him in some way. Exactly. Yes, yes, of course he will. Mm, we know that's setting up problems for later. So anyway, now we can really cheer you up because I can take you back to the pool party. <gasps> We're at the pool party. And it's all Leo, kicking off. It's all kicking off. And over there on the grass is a dangerous girl. She's beautiful. We can tell she's dangerous because she's wearing a scarf tied round her hips because yes. her hair is wild and because her kind of wingman is a guy wearing a coordinated <laughs> playsuit. It's an amazing what, what playsuit. Place I don't know what it is, but you'd wear that to a rave. You'd wear that to, yeah. a, to a party in the early 90s and be chewing the insides of your cheeks to mush. <laughs> I don't really, but you know, that's. So there's Leone standing there, collar turned up, sleeves pushed to his elbows, gesticulating, everybody around him just thinking, you know, fucking hell, mate, he's up. And she says, Who's he? Right. Why does he look so miserable? Let's go and cheer him up. Grabs a bottle of the champagne and goes over where they're all standing there with plastic glasses. And Leo, for reasons best known to himself, is fulminating about the Russians. 
Yes, he is, isn't he? What is with that? Is it like a Cold I, War thing? It's a, it's a kind of Cold War thing, but the fact that he says the Russians are not the Soviets, mm. which felt to me kind of weird. But anyway, he's absolutely raging. And it felt to me like maybe it wasn't the Russians he was raging about because Russians didn't have any kind of air bases on UK territories no. in the early 80s, but the Americans did. So I'm thinking, is Leo underneath it all a bit of a lefty or a spy i mean he's or definitely like he's an activist he's been like very much an, an advocate oh, yeah, hang on. yeah he was he was a kind of eco warrior for about five minutes wasn't he but yeah, i mean like yeah. anyway he's fulminating about the russians and here comes lady bad medicine herself <laughs> with her bottle of champagne and she starts splashing it into the plastic cups mm-hmm. and leo goes i don't want it i don't want it and she goes well you have to and she pours it in and very deliberately Leo takes this offering and he pours it on the floor. Which I thought was quite shocking, actually. I thought it was quite shocking. And I immediately thought to myself, there is going to be some extremely dangerous sexual activity between these two. Yep. It's an instantaneous spark. It's the, because the, the I hate because, you, I love you bullshit. But, yeah, you know, but it's just... also, you can tell that this girl, Amanda, with her beautiful cheekbones and her beautiful eyes, mm. that she only has to click her fingers and men just do what she wants. And here she is going, I can toy with you, Leo, sad, angry Leo, mm-hmm. miserable Leo, fulminating about politics in some way. And he just pulls it at her feet. And then they have a little bit of a to and fro. And then she pushes him into the pool. Bare-faced cheek just shoves him right in. And in a beautiful moment as he pulls himself out and there's a great bit of ad-libbing as she turns to somebody completely unresponsive and starts laughing in their face. (laughs) And he picks her up and heaves her into the pool and she's delighted. She is. And Leo stalks off pours himself a glass of champagne and looks back at her in a really challenging way. It's actually quite says, oh. hot when he does that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and um, I say like, oh, this is, oh, this is, is this your new toy, Amanda? And she says, oh, I like him. But what <laughs> I wanted to point out about a very soaking wet Leo, it did occur to me when we saw him in his jeans. Yeah. But now it, uh, it's more because now the material is really clinging because he's been in the pool. <laughs> Sarah, where are you going with this? <laughs> he's got jaunty buttocks. Ooh, I see. <laughs> he's got really, really jaunty buttocks. I say. I'll look out for that. I'm going to replay the you should, I can't believe you've never noticed. It's just like I can't take my eyes off them. Wow. And I think that Amanda Bad Medicine, she's thought it's a bit like, you know, mandrills spotting each other in the jungle <laughs> and just like checking each other out. There are signals and they've yeah. picked up each other's signals. And Jan, his mum, is going to rue the day she ever forced her son oh, she to the is. pool party yeah, yeah. because he is now a changed man. A woman has openly been sexually challenged him and he was more than enough for her oh yes oh yes i think, because going to have I quite think this is revelatory for him everybody's all like oh you're so sweet you're so soft mr flaccid no non-threatening boy and actually what amanda's done is gone well what are you all about then yeah and and actually, gone, i'm we're now we're the only ones here which are soaking wet there is meaning Oh, my God, such mean. I mean, soaking wet. Come on, it's a bit on the nose. But also, he's been the only woman he's ever really loved so far is kind of quite insipid Abby. So this is the the polar opposite. He needs someone with a bit of with a bit of. He um, needs somebody with a bit of spice. She's going to he's going to find out things about himself. And in fact, Leo, in the rest of the episode, I was sort of surprised that that wasn't picked up on. In his other scenes in the rest of the episode. But anyway, onwards we go. Onwards to the... Oh, this is a brilliant scene. But now we're going to the Italian restaurant where we basically establish, even though Avril and Tom are no longer a couple, 
he's prodding about her business slash personal relationship with Charles Freer. Yeah, it's all very, very intense and significant. And it's lots of sort of all about how unpredictable. The only thing predictable about Charles Freer is just how unpredictable he is. <laughs> and, it's yeah. lots of, and, it, and it's lots of this sort of thing. And everything is very loaded and significant and meaningful. And there's lots of eye meets. And there's a, a point in the scene where a waiter comes and pours non-existent coffee. <laughs> and, Tom, and Tom Howard sort of, like watches Avril for a very, very, very long time. He has a very searching gaze. Yeah. Like you can see everything because she's very conflicted, you know, because she's got to, you know, look after herself and she's got to look after Charles Frere and she's got to look after Tom. And, and the yard you can tell, and Dan. And the yard. And she's got all these different demands on her attention. Yeah. And we seem to forget that she's a kind of managing director herself and she could just fuck all these people off and stamp all over them. <laughs> but instead she's spreading herself a little bit thin. And I kind of feel like Tom knows that. But I can't decide whether he's going to use it against her or whether he's going to release her from some sort of obligation so she's mm. not so beholden. I don't know. But anyway. He just really cares about that boat, Sarah. If the Barracuda doesn't go on the open market, well, then that's his well, calling this is, card. This know? is what I was thinking. Well, I was thinking, like, maybe he's going to be nice to Avril, seeing as how he's jumped her bones. And then I thought, you know what? What if he mm. wasn't? What if he was absolutely really mercenary? And he was just studying her to see what her weak point was Ooh. and thinking, oh, I could exploit that for the Barracuda. Because we know that for the Barracuda, he would destroy Charles Frere and Ken Masters and Jan and Avril and Jack and Leo. He'd destroy everybody except for Lynn. Yes, much like his daughter Lynn, he loves boats more than he loves people. I think that's fair to say. Uh, yeah, but you know, they live in Tarrant. What? <laughs> <laughs> of television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Woman's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of delights from Great Big Owl. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com
was a thing which I really, really loved where it was all like, you know, the one thing about Charles Frere is, is just how unpredictable he is. And then there was an amazing cut. Yes. To the business Jaguar Charles Frere running in his white jumpsuit. Incredible. Look, like it, like it, sperm it in, in a tracksuit. It was absolutely incredible. He was sort of like running through his his moated grange. And as he was running, there was a kind of fence in front of him. And I thought, is he going to jump over that? But it cut away. Uh, you know, oh, at the same, I bet he just did, I bet he just I bet kept he did. going. Yeah. I know, he just scaled it. He Because the thing is, it's it's no effort to him because he's a jaguar. None. And anyway, so... I love he how runs... he, always, he always jogs in white. He never deviates oh, yeah. from that colour scheme. He jogs in white and then he drapes a white towel around his neck and carries on with his morning. Thank you very much. I think it's because he's got this messianic zeal about him. He's a mm. kind, he, 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 This is his sort of belief in himself that he's a Christ figure come to rescue business. Yes. And that's why he's always in white. Got you. Also, no. because somebody, he hasn't got to wash his own clothes, has he? That's why he's in <laughs> no. white. No, doesn't have to get the stain, the grass stains out of that. All the orange and, juice um, stains. But this is a thing. You go from business Jaguar to musky alley cat Ken Masters. Mm, nice. And he's doing the most amazing phone acting in between this really <laughs> unhappy marriage, in between Sarah and the cuckold. Yes, yes, yes. And then when he puts the phone down, somebody's agreed to have a lunch and everybody is literally ejaculating with happiness, <laughs> except for the cuckold Mark, who can't. And then there was a big sort of... Um, <laughs> And there was lots of looks. There's lots of meaningful, loaded looks. And I became really obsessed with Sarah's clip-on earrings and satin raglan sleeve top. And it was just yeah. a really, really bulky thing to wear and really hot. And, like, you'd really Very. be building up steamy armpits in there. All but those unnatural fibres. There was a lot of dick measuring, um, which yep. Ken clearly, clearly won. because, And then there was a huge kind of argument about ethics and then Mark's on it don't you tell me what to think and it got up and stormed out and Ken immediately sidled over to Sarah and started yeah. groping her and she went yeah. look I can't I can't we should just keep this strictly business she's getting and a conscience Ken... now about their that their frottage well it is a bit close to home you know you know that just a bit it is a great big turd on your own doorstep isn't it you're gonna skid in it sooner or later and Ken Ken looked very sad and sexually rejected and Sarah looked doubtful like she was already doubting her the wisdom of her own choices i don't think he's a man to give up though i don't think he's done there yet oh no but ken wouldn't give up and if he's going to look sad and sexually rejected he's just putting that face on to see if that does anything or whether exactly. he's actually going to have to put some effort into it i mean everything's calculated with ken except around jan exactly when he was just ken a man in love but he yeah. was just <laughs> he was just carefree he was like he was like a boy He's like a boy in the first flush of romance. Aww. Anyway, talking about boys in the first flush of romance, here's Gerald with his manila file <laughs> as Charles Frere strides in, probably reeking of man, reeking totally. of hot, sweaty man. Just and he's like got a giant jug of orange juice. I don't know if that's what He's got a giant jug of or... orange juice. <laughs> he's got a towel round his neck. Yep. He's got this lovely, trailing his musk. And here's poor <laughs> Gerald just flushing with in leather armchair yeah. with can't be comfortable and he's brought in the report the report that Charles demanded the report for which Gerald is destroying his marriage yeah the report that he stayed up all night to do and what does Charles Frere do he tosses it aside and the look of devastation on Gerald's face cuts your heart to pieces it really and does not, it, it really does because like I say it's not like it's not a report into how the architects of the marina basin are fucking up it's my heart 
I'm Aww. giving you love and you're just spurning it. <laughs> and you just, oh, it was all like, um, and there was a point where a good run, you should try it. And you could see a little flash of hope in Gerald's eyes, which should I with you? Yes. You and I keeping pace together through the misty morning. <laughs> and it, Charles didn't mean that at all. He just meant you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your arse. Get off your arse. It's really like, hard. my arse to do your reports. Exactly. Anyway, so, and Charles, it's not even like he's going to read that report. He just gets up because he's got a lunch on the yacht and then he's got the auction oh that's oh, right the art yeah. auction mm. so before we get there this is my favorite bit of the episode we now cut to jan's on the way back home because her mum is moving jimmy in young it's so big to radio, radio two. Two. <laughs> radio two jimmy young it's jimmy young it's so sweet and it's so and it it, it just made me a bit tearful and then as she pulls up you know there's the removal thing but but also there's leo he's none the worse for his dunking and for what and of course she doesn't see him she doesn't say anything to him about the party she doesn't even see that something might be different about him he's not the same guy he's not the same guy she told a boy to go to a party (laughs) and now Here's a man who poured champagne on a girl's naked feet. He definitely feet. shagged her that night, no? She, he must have done. I don't know. I don't think so. I think he didn't shag her that night. They were she, both, probably, she probably dangled him at arm's length, probably didn't let him. No, he walked away. Ooh. He went home. And she was oh. left there in the pool watching him thinking there's going to be fireworks later. Oh. So I think that when they I think that when they do get together. But the, the fact is that he's discovered it'll be something minor. about himself. <laughs> and yeah, it'll be minor. But, you know. Jan just sails past because she, Leo's got a clipboard and that's all he's good for. No. And she is going to, she is going to rue the day. Anyway, she goes and sees her mum. Yep. A poor old mum who does, and she doesn't know that she's had a flutter. And now she's going to be living with them. And she's bringing the garden cuttings from her beloved old cottage to Jan's it was, garden. Yeah, this and is it was heartbreaking. Her, will it? Maybe it can find a, a space here. And what, it's clearly like. Can I find a space yes, here? Yes, yes. It's very, very sweet, the relationship between Jan and her mum, isn't lovely. it? It's lovely. Yeah, it's really lovely. And when you hear Jan talk about filming with Dulcie Gray, she just adored her. They adored each other. And they used to have lunches together and girly chats. It just sounded like the dream, like what you'd hope it would be. Just lovely. Oh, just, I, I I think they're so sweet. They, it's very natural. That is the most natural and genuine Jan is with any, anybody. You know, she can't trust a living soul. No, really. not in that town. Not in that town. Who can you trust? And talking about who can you trust, we're on the yacht with the sexy sax. Oh, my God. Avril crossing the gangplank to Charles's yacht, his sex yacht, his fuck yacht, the, you call it. To, to the, that's the most heavy-handed use of saxophone in quite a few It episodes. was sexy, sexy sax. And then you've also coupling it with, I thought this was pretty smart, which was basically Charles Freire leafing through an auctioneer's catalogue of old masters. And yep. it's acres of naked flesh it is very deliberately chosen boobs and bums it's a boobs and bums it's saints throwing attitudes of rapture and ecstasy it's hot it's sexy it's naked it's 
going to be at the auction and it's sexy sex and here's Avril. And this is where we find out that, oh, yeah, they've done it. They've really done it. Forget about the business. They've done it. And Avril has tried to forget. Yes, she has. tried to forget. When she enters the series, she comes back from wherever she's been with him, I think America, and she's in a thousand pieces because of what he's done to her heart. He's Oh, he's he's a wrecker. Yeah, he is. Who is going to wreck him? Who's a woman who can wreck Charles Freer? Hmm, I wonder. I wonder if there is such a woman. I think it's just Dad. I think it's all about Dad. And anyway, so... Charles, but you can tell that Charles is like bringing on the charm. He's like, none of us can forget it. So now he's basically saying, you might not, I I can't forget you. He's just toying with her. He is. He's you trying know, to plant that seed that he's still interested. And yeah, obviously she because, said to Tom in the previous scene, you know, there's no danger of me ever going back near him again. But obviously they're catnip to each other. You they're can catnip tell. to each other. And I think Tom knows about that. And I think Tom, in terms of chess moves, is way ahead because he's thinking, Charles Freire is going to make a move on you to yeah. fuck me over. Absolutely. To, and, I, you know, behind that rugged face of Tom Howard, a keen brain is whirring. Oh, perhaps. yeah. He's perceptive, yeah. I think. Not always about his own behaviour, but he's very good at sort of looking at other people's situations. <laughs> I got slightly hysterical at this point in the episode because there was Sarah is it the and Ken. It's a Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Is it Mr. McIntyre. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for lunch. Business, 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 business. And then, you know, like, why why Mark isn't there? Well, he's really pissed off because he's a cuckold. Um, yeah. He's got a distribution issue, which is obviously the new way of saying, you know, erectile <laughs> dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, so Mr. McIntyre, which is just sort of go through the sort of spotlight book and look for somebody yeah. who can do Scottish Spotsman. accent, you know, ring them up. Anyway, like, they're, trying, they're trying to poach the um, uh, these implausible Scotsmen from Relton Marine. He's going to give them his custom distribution and they want to, in some way, do that instead. I don't know how they can. They're not as big a company, but apparently they, they think they can. Well, so well that's what Mark's them. worried about. He thinks they're going to mm. sort of overburden themselves, but Ken doesn't care about ethics. What's the point? It's you know that the only way to do business is be unorthodox or yes. something. I don't know. The only way isn't that... ethics. <laughs> I, I, I became to- I became slightly lost at this point and just kept thinking it's business, business, business. And I'm, I'm and it you, kind you of stop. does carry on to the end of the episode now because then you go to the yard. Tom's on a calculator doing business sums about numbers and money and. Although there was a fantastic thing where Jack came in with a cigar in his mouth and went, "All right, <laughs> <He's> just... <laughs> all right," like Again, a teenager opening open just in the shift. <laughs> force of his personality and then there was lots of stuff about mrs travis and there was a really amazing profile shot of tom which looked kind of art housey and just yeah. felt like what's that do you know what i mean like what's yeah. that doing there like every now and again someone tries something which is weirdly art housey and bears no relation to anything else in the rest of the episode or the, the directors scene, on right? this show are always honestly it's throughout the first at least the first two series anyway there's an awful lot of experimental camera work and things you wouldn't see on a mainstream sort of tea time drama now they've really they do. They love sort of flexing their muscles. They they, they like doing things, a little, looking at things a little bit differently. Like that mm. profile shot of Tom is a, quite a good one for a man. Like, like, what does he do next? And also what he knows, because what comes out is Frere has plans for Avril. Uh-huh. Frere, and this is, you know, whatever Tom's been thinking, whatever Jack's been thinking, this is why they're buddies. This is why they're partners, because they know that what they're dealing with is a beast. Exactly. Avril is about to be thrown, you know, be be chewed up, about to have the flesh sucked off her bones by this beast, Charles Frere. (laughs) 
Again. And what a Tom and... Again, again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because women in Howard's way just make the same mistakes over and over again. They do so, when the um, men look like Charles Freer. Uh, yeah, well, mm. you, you, I, I mean, I think I would there as well. Yeah, just, no, I would, definitely. Uh, you know, just to feel slightly dirty and ashamed or maybe nick something. I, <laughs> whatever. You just take an ashtray on your way out. <laughs> and anyway, so basically, again, they're going to have another lunch and again, it's <laughs> another vital meal to take place. And But then they get the phone call about the orders being withdrawn from the boat yeah, show for all, the Barracuda, which all, is the last thing they need. It's a, the Barracuda is basically, I said in my notes, is so fucked in capitals. <laughs> Jack takes a cigar of his mouth, gives a cheek a little wink and says, lunch. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. I think he means pub, but he can't drink he anymore. Means, he means, well, he, he can stand there and sort of like watch people drinking, which is nearly mm. the same. He's such a salty old sea dog. I love him. <laughs> and anyway, right. Charles and Avril on the boat. This, I feel really sorry for that actress because the sun's in her eyes. I know, she's and squinting Charles, throughout. She's squinting, but she manages it brilliantly. And it's all right for Charles Frere. The sun's behind him, so he can just be sort of <gasps> like, shush dots. He, he, oh, he can just be kind of like vaguely kind of threatening and sexy and I'm looking at you as though you have no clothes on towards her. And she has terrible lines of dialogue like, market forces dictate decisions, not the press. Well, (laughs) Avril, baby, Future Us has news for you. Oh, no. Yeah, she doesn't know what's about to hit her. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And he tries to remind her of their relationship and it was was five years ago. So it's like digging up ancient history, trying to stir... Yeah, stirring it up because if he can destabilise her make her a bit wobbly reminder of the damage that he did to her while inferring that he also did damage to himself none of us Mm. neither of us can forget Avril then she's going to be putty in his hands he's such a bastard but I have to say it must have been some pretty steamy shenanigans between them do you reckon what do you think oh god no absolutely all those angles all that kind of all the angles but also I reckon it's a sort of thing where actually you know Avril trying to have relationships of nice steady other men it just doesn't go near because you know that Charles Frere would be filth. Oh, completely. He'd be filth. filth. And he'd be There'd the be kind of games. He'd he wouldn't be able to just have like have it off. Like no, he's man. not he's not vanilla. He's no. not at all vanilla. There would be some really, really <laughs> thrilling shit that basically Oof. Avril would not even there's feathers, there's cuffs. There's blindfolds. I think so. It's the full. It's the full Anne Summers catalogue. And it's a full thing. Like you've got to stand there in your Mac, and I'm going, and you can't wear anything underneath, and you've got <laughs> to have a drink, and I'm, you, I'm going, you're going, to, you have to pretend not to know me, but we're going to get in the lift together. The sexy stranger game. That sort of sexy stranger <laughs> game, and Avril will be like her cheeks burning but yeah. it's like she doesn't it's like she has no volition of her own that's a hold he's got on her exactly what am i talking about i want to go back in time and write this for a post watershed well i'm just saying if there's a remake in the offing we know who's going to write it the showrunner has revealed herself <laughs> now we are building to the climax oh god don't i'm just hanging onto the furniture <laughs> <laughs> we've got sir edward clay shooting and again we have another double take as norbert smith the factotum with the with the greasy flashes Mac wanders up yep. and he says very pretty and ever goes oh there you are like <laughs> he hasn't seen him he's basically right next to him as he sort of like <laughs> pummels clays out of the sky because he's looking and down he... his sights at his rifle oh, yeah. and actually and when 
when he looks down the sights, he doesn't see anything else. All he looks at is his target. That's a character giveaway right there. See, they're thinking, always thinking. Always thinking, always thinking. So he hands the gun over to Miles and they stride along. And he basically says to him, you've got to give up working for, I don't know what it's called, Frere Enterprise Finance Limited. whatever the fuck it is. Sever your ties. Yes, sever your ties because you're going to find a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. And the other, and and, uh, Norbert Smith's like, oh, I wish you'd tell me what. What's going on? All in good time. All in good time. He's and the thing, and in the background, there's more guns and Labradors and butlers and all sorts of stuff. And what I love about Sir Edward is that he's a fantastic baddie, and he's going to be an absolute menace with the ladies. Completely. And then, but also, like oh, father, like son. But ah, oh, but then I think there's a little twist. Because we go to the auction where in comes Gerald and just says, look, you know, whoever it was is perfectly legit. And there is Charles Frere bidding for an old master. And by the way, the guy playing the auctioneer, Jimmy Hayes, I used to dress him when I was at the RSC uh, wardrobe. It. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, wait, so you, were, you were a dresser at the Royal Shakespeare Company in the yeah, what, what, 90s? or Yeah, from about 94 to about 99. Amazing. So I was there and James Hayes is one of the most hilarious people I've ever dressed. He's Aww. really hilarious. And the fact that he's here just basically running an auction because give that man an inch and he'll take a mile. And he, oh, could yeah. have, he, he would have turned that into an absolute comedy epic. He's brilliant. So there they are. And there's somebody on the phone and they're bidding for this master. And it's all very controlled. And Charles Frere, he wants this painting. He wants this bit of oil. But I like his bidding style. It's a, it's a, a, a slight oh, it's raising of a gold ballpoint pen, just a, a slight gold, tilt yeah, in the air. It's one of those sort of pens that you get free with an offer in the back of the TV Times for life assurance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they're probably t- pretending it's like solid gold and from it's whatever solid that gold, very you know. famous pen maker is. Yeah, that. That, yes, and you, you can get that free with your beautiful <laughs> Diana souvenir gift plate or something like that. And so basically, he's, who am I bidding against? Mm. Who's this person bidding against me? Who's the person doing the phone auction? Who's on yeah. the other end of that phone? And finally, Charles Frere has to bow out of the auction because it has just gone too high. He just can't match it. Yeah. And it goes to sold to Sir Edward Freer. Boom. And Gerald goes, your father. And Charles says, who else? Oh, my God. It is so on, Sarah. It's on like Fat Pat's thong. And the thing about <laughs> the thing about Sir Edward is that you know he's going to be immensely charming. And for a while, Charles Frere is going to look like the bad apple. Yes. But there's going to come a point where everyone's going to go, oh, my God, Charles is this way because of his father. Completely. And maybe there'll be a little bit of sympathy for the amount of damage Edward has done to his son. I think so. But the amount of people who are going to get caught up in the crushing machine of their toxicity is going to be horrendous. Pieces in the in the in the Frears chess game now, that's it. It is, completely. It's just about those two guys, those white male privileged a holes. Those though absolutely look at them, flapping their dicks around and they just (laughs) don't care. They're they're in a battle with each other. Yeah. Who's gonna be superior? Who's gonna live forever? Who's gonna be the most fertile? They're grim and they don't care who gets 
it's hurt. God damn it, you've got to do every episode of this, Sarah. It's too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. I absolutely love it. And I've become way too invested in people. Way, yes. way, way too invested. Me too. Well, welcome to the club. You're in now. You can never leave. Thank you so much for kicking off Series 3. Before you go, as you've mentioned, you're going to sing us your oh, version God. of the theme tune. Oh, I'm going to try. It might fuck up. I might have to have a couple of goes. Sarah, I cannot thank you enough for that. I've had a lovely time. Jesus Christ, it was so much fun. I wish we'd been doing it with gin in a garden. Anyway, one day. But until then, thank you, Sarah Phelps, for being always there. Thank you. Dead too. No one will know how I ended that hole. I'm just gentle Leo, Towers, homegrown psycho. My name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast apps and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.